men and boys, generally speaking, over time have been encouraged with this stuff, right? Yeah. But women have been told, hey, don't lift weights. You'll get yeah. bulky, right? Yeah. Either directly yeah. or, you know, societally, this is the pervasive sort yeah. of messaging or belief but system. Don't do too much. You look too yeah. Always and, that. And don't and do I'll, too much. I'll call this shit too. It's like you get weak and insecure and controlling men who are uncomfortable with the idea of their partners going and becoming strong, getting fit, losing weight for fear that they will leave them, right? And that's, I don't want to say that, oh, that's a stereotype of everybody, but we know it exists in pockets and someone listening is going to go, yeah, like I dealt with that, right? So the emphasis is it's not excluding men or boys or moms or sons or whatever. It's just to say, hey, I think there's a little bit of extra emphasis to encourage women to participate in this stuff and to let young girls actually see this as being normal, right? But it's really for everybody. Welcome to the Find Your Strong podcast. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld Pay, president of Strong Fitness Magazine, founder of Team Strong Girls, and fitness coach turned fitness publisher. Each week, I'm going to give you a thought or an interview of how to build stronger bodies, stronger minds, and stronger relationships. Getting to where I am now has been nothing short of a journey of the ultimate highs and the deepest of lows. I've had my fair share of setbacks, near bankruptcy, an eating disorder, and multiple miscarriages. You name it, I lost my way time and time again. But through it all, I uncovered my purpose, which gave me the perseverance to find my strong and stay the course. I've spent more than 15 years coaching women, and I know that fitness is a vessel to help you feel strong, confident, and empowered in your body and your life. If you're looking for inspiration and motivation, you've come to the right place. You are not going to want to miss this. Welcome to the show, Andrew. I am so excited to finally have you on with me today. Well, hey, I appreciate you having me on. I mean, I love these sort of things because you were on my podcast and yes. we, we didn't do a, hey, let's trade podcast sort of thing. This is a genuine expression of you're such a foundational figure in this space now, you know, owning Strong Magazine. There are so few like print magazines left. Yeah. You know, I love what you are doing. Just for the audience's like context, I had invited you to speak at my event in Edmonton I know. in October and it couldn't work out, but like mm-hmm. you were like really high on my list for that. So like, I love what you guys are doing. So I'm actually honored to be a guest today. So thank you. This is going to be fun. I think we share a lot of like the same values with strength training, uh, getting stronger, building muscle, even the nutrition side of things. So let's just have a really fun coach to coach chat. So for the listeners who may not be familiar with your story, can you explain a little bit about how you started in the fitness industry as a coach and now as an online coach? All right. So I'm assuming the audience is primarily women. And I know people come (laughs) from different backgrounds and find fitness in different places. I did grow up involved in sports, cross-country skiing. Uh, At a very young age, my parents were involved in that stuff. They encouraged us. We were lucky. I grew up in northern Newfoundland, eastern Canada, but we grew up with what I would consider to be healthy breakfast, healthy meals. I think my parents were really kind of ahead of their time, or maybe maybe they were just traditional. Like I suppose that's an intersection of the, both of them. So I was very fortunate about that. And me and my brothers played a lot of sports, played high school basketball and everything else we could get our hands on in this rural community. But I really got serious about weight training, you know, strength training, body, probably a lot of bodybuilding ideology, reading magazines like muscle and fitness and that sort of stuff. At a fairly young age, I got serious about it at 24. I had a weight bench when I was in my teens. I dabbled in it. 24 is when it stuck. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And I, I went to school, university for business. And I fumbled around with different careers. I owned a nightclub. <clears throat> that sort of took me out of being as fit for a while. That was a mess. Fun, but <laughs> came with a lot of chaos. So a little bit of life experience along the way. And I, of course, I moved across the country. I got back in the gym consistently. And then at 32 years of age, because I'm currently 45, at 32, the staff at this gym kept bugging me to come work there as a trainer. And I kept saying no until I finally said yes. So my career started late. I wasn't the passionate 19-year-old coming out of a certification, starting to work in the gym. And so for anybody who's listening, who's like passionate about the fitness side, you know what? A lot of the best coaches that I know started out as clients, started out as enthusiasts and just fell in love with it and decided I'm not fulfilled by what I was doing. I hate this. I want to do this. And it's stock. I spent six years at a commercial gym. I've owned my own business for seven years. I contract at a friend's facility. And that led to a lot of travel within the industry, which led to uh, starting a podcast six years ago, which I still run. It led to starting to write for my own website, which led to an invitation to write for T Nation. And then that turned into Muscle Fitness Magazine, which I've read for 20 years and Men's Health and Generation Iron and Barbend and a bunch of other really big fitness brands, which is cool. And then it, through my travels and making all sorts of connections across the industry, it turned into a whole bunch of public speaking and then social media followed. So that's kind of the journey. But yeah, I got started late as a coach. Wow. That's awesome. I didn't know you own a nightclub. I was I was a, a nightclub goer in my 20s. <laughs> so I get that. I get that world very well. It's completely opposite to the fitness world. <laughs> it absolutely can be. I, I remember, I mean, this is again in St. John's, Newfoundland. Uh, my old friend who I went to university with, Frank McGrath, who's a very well-known bodybuilder in the fitness yep. space. Yeah, He'd been in there before. Um, some ex-NHL hockey player old buddies of mine. Collective Soul were in there one night. I was having drinks with them in the upstairs room. Shama Jumder of uh, This Hour Has 22 Minutes. You know, for the Canadian listeners who know Sham is, he, oh. he used to hang out there a little bit. So, And just a lot of old friends. So it was an interesting time. But one of those things that I'm glad that life turned out the way it did. Did you learn anything like that you like look back on and say like, wow, I was supposed to go through all of that because what I learned there has transpired into, you know, what I'm really good at now owning my fitness business and in, in within the fitness space. I think that life experience is essential to mm -hmm. success and relating to the person, you know, across from you that you're working with, because, you know, very, very few people have the textbook started. 18, progress through this stuff, do everything perfectly. There's always the abundant time. You start out with a high level of education and knowledge, and it's all seamless. That's that's not real. I mean, there are yeah. people who through their media portray that, but the reality is, is all of the really successful people in our space, um, I think you know who my friend Don Saladino is. Don is very well known for working with yeah. Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds and Anne Hathaway and Scarlett Johansson and you name it. If you listen to Don on a podcast, Don will talk about 15 years of gym ownership and the tough times and the financial crash in 2008, 2009, and how he had to himself do a million dollars worth of personal training. Keep in mind, he's training Hugh Jackman and he's in New York, in Manhattan. So his hourly rate's higher, but he had to train a million dollars worth of personal training himself to pay back loans that he took to keep the business afloat so the way he wouldn't have to lay anybody off, right? So those are the the not-so-sexy stories that get hidden behind what is the superficial appearance of success. 
So your favorite fitness influencer, like the ones with integrity generally share those stories, mm -hmm. but we assume that, oh, it was easy for that person. And then we compare it against our internal struggle and all of our doubts and everything that we struggle with about our own self-image. And we got to, got to stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I was just thinking more of, I, you know, coming from the, I came from the restaurant business, you coming from the club world and maybe there was something to do with like relationship building. Cause I've known you for a couple months now and you are huge on that. I respect you madly because of that. And you're just always looking to connect people and have great relationships with a lot of different people in the industry. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's something that just comes natural to you. And, and, and maybe the, the club world helped with that. It didn't hurt. I mean, I think I was very fascinated with the stuff at a university level because I went to high school in a small town. So I feel like I didn't really have the typical high school experience. I was playing catch up. So I think in university for a long time, I felt like well, I actually really wasted time mm. because I was so enthralled with it. And I was learning about what most people figure out in high school. I was figuring out in university. But then when I look back at it, I realized that that was actually one of the most valuable times of my life. Those aspects yeah. of social dynamics and I, I like to explain it this way. Humans are pattern recognition machines. That is like literally what our brain does. And we will be really good at assimilating knowledge and building a lattice work, a mental model of, of knowledge around concepts that we're interested in. Like fitness mm -hmm. professionals, we're really good at assimilating fitness stuff. If any of the women listening, I'm assuming mostly women, you know, if you're really into music, then, you know, it's very easy to pick up and add pieces to your knowledge of music. Or if any of you are into cars, like, I I think that's a bit more stereotypically a guy thing. I'm I'm not a car guy. I love Fast and Furious the movies, but you know, you, someone starts talking about carburetors and and catalytic converters and all these other sort of things. I'm just like, I have no clue what that stuff is, really. But there's all these people who they have such depth of knowledge in that space. But I find that the social side of stuff is where my pattern recognition works. Yeah. And so you look for little things like you see the person who's on the edge. I'll give you a really good example. I spoke at an event in November. And amazing event, 500 people coming and going, a lot of female fitness entrepreneurs. And, but I noticed there was this one woman who was walking kind of by herself. I, I noticed her a number of times. She would sit by herself and she wasn't interacting with anybody else. She seemed a little, almost a little sad, a little, little lonely, right? And maybe that was my interpretation projected upon this person. So I think by the second day, it was a three-day event, I went over and I knelt down next to where she was sitting and I said hi and I said hey I just want to say hi I you know blah 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 I'm Andrew anyway so she she was really quite pleased and touched but between that and a message she sent me a few days later after the event she said you were the only person that came to talk to me wow and that made me feel feel profoundly sad and again the event organizers are busy one of them was actually sick they're they're juggling so much and some of the speakers were in and out, right? They came in and I understand it. You know, they come in, you do your talk, you get up on stage, you brag about your $50,000 speaking fee, which one of the speakers did and then left moments after, which I found really off-putting. And right, I wasn't paid $50,000 <laughs> and nor, nor that's just, that's not relevant. I was honored to be there and I had an amazing time. But I see this person that just didn't feel included. And I'm like, it's really important to me to go say hi to that person. So I, I, I wish everybody would sort of train those subtle senses of human interaction a little bit more. And listen, I'm not perfect. Okay. I, I rub some people the wrong way in our industry. 
But when it comes to the relationships across the industry, one of my favorite things, it's not about what I can get out of this is it's literally, you know, how can I make the other person feel positive about, about this interaction? How can I make them be better coming away from this? And if I'm in an event, for example, I don't have the time or mental energy to actually spend a lot of dedicated time with every single person there. Mm -hmm. So what's useful? If I know a lot about the interests and the careers and who the people are, the speakers and attendees, I can make strategic introductions so that way those people will have someone to connect with. They'll be mutually beneficial. Maybe there's some... I've connected people or made suggestions that turned into a collaboration that turned into a book between two people wow. <laughs> a few years ago, shit like that. That's, That's awesome. fun. Mm -hmm. And it clears me of having to do all yeah. the work, right? I love it. I love it. Um, all about community. I'm all about relationship building. And I, and I just love how you, how you do it. We, we, we met through um, coach Jacqueline, who was like, you have to talk to this guy. I think you were messaging me, but you were in the other messaging, the message folder. Yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome. That and she Jacqueline, an old friend of Jacqueline's is a client of mine. So that's actually oh, how awesome. I got put on to Jacqueline. So I started yeah. doing the deep dive of like, oh, cool. But this is the whole community around a strong magazine. All right. I need to connect with them and, you know, show some support. And, and you guys have been great. Let's flip the script a little bit. Cause I want to, um, dive deep and talk about like your philosophy on nutrition and training. Cause I feel like this podcast is very much about helping people live their very best lives, thrive in their forties and their fifties. So what is your philosophy on nutrition? And let's, and let's go a little deeper than that dieting. The industry is kind of funny. And I think this is actually a really important piece of context for anybody listening. You will see fitness professionals battle with each other over their pet ideologies. Totally. And you will see people who are, we can qualify as blatantly pseudoscientific and, and outright charlatans, but we'll also see some of the most self-proclaimed evidence-based people also get really entrenched in tribal ideologies to the point where everybody's acting like they're preaching about their religion and battling other people over an opposing religion. And that doesn't help the person listening because a lot of times fitness professionals care more about being right and looking good than they care about helping people. So when I've got someone who I'm working with who says, hey, what do you think about keto? There's a lot of people in our space who are going to be like, oh, keto's fucking stupid, blah, 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 you know, tirade. If you're a coach, assume that if someone's asking you about keto, they're probably already doing keto mm -hmm. and or they've got a, a family member, a friend, a coworker who is evangelizing keto to them. So my response has been, cool. All right, let's explore keto. You know, you want to do this. Let's give it a shot. Um, here are some important things that I think you're going to want to know about this. Here are some things that are often said about keto that people claim they have these special properties. This stuff's not true, but it can be the right fit for the right person. And it's really good at reducing calorie intake. It can be challenging for a lot of people to stay on long-term. That's important. Mm -hmm. So what I've shown is it's not about anything to do with keto. It's about the fact that I've established trust with that client who's really worried that I'm going to disapprove because if I break that trust and tell them this thing that you've researched and now we're doing is really stupid, then that damages the relationship. So in one particular case, the client tried keto. And after a few weeks, she did come to the realization, wait a second, she can't just eat whatever high fat stuff she wants and lose weight. The calories matter. And her ex explicit words is keto is bullshit, right? So that was her conclusion. So I'm there to go, okay, cool. Like it's not right for you. I'm actually really glad you explored it. You realize that 
now let's let's try this and then start asking some questions and and now we're coming from a place of trust honestly like i'm i'm diet agnostic i think there are a few things that are essential uh i don't think everybody needs to track i think tracking macronutrients and calories can be very valuable because it gives people a better understanding of the relationship between how much volume of food you're eating, what types of food you're eating, and what is the calorie intake of this. So you know what you need for maintenance. There are other people in the fitness space who are very malevolent, and I choose that word deliberately, about the idea of diet. And if you see people who brand around anti-diet, non-dieting, this sort of stuff, and then they tend to talk a lot about diet culture. Now, guess what? There's a lot of problematic stuff that exists traditionally within media about dieting and a lot of bad marketing. We know that. Okay? But I think that opposite side is brandable ideology that doesn't necessarily have the end user's best interests at heart either. I think we need to come at it from an evidence-based place. I think we need to build trust. I think we need to make sure people understand, okay, calories in, calories out is the fundamental thing. It's not that simple, but it's fundamental. We want to consume lots of protein. We want to consume lots of fiber. Let's adjust it to your individual needs and, and what you, you struggle with. But when it comes to dieting, let's take this concept of diet equals bad and let's put that away because that's not fair and that's not true. Diet is a phase. We definitely want to get people off this idea that you're trying to live in perpetual restriction, that you're always dieting because I think people, especially women, tend to get sold this idea or they, they see this behavior in their moms because their moms grew up and watched a lot of Oprah. We can be like, Oprah is a complicated thing. Totally. And it's not that I'm like <laughs> going to hate on Oprah, but guess what? What did Oprah do? I use her as an example. There's a lot of this. Oprah yeah. basically modeled yo-yo restrictive crash dieting behavior for a long time and very much normalize it. So I'm actually a critic of that specific thing. I think that's changed now, but we're just using it as an example. If any of you have that mother who always used language or behavior that displayed an obsession with weight, with dieting, all this sort of stuff, then you may have internalized and learned some of these behaviors. So now we have to acknowledge that. And so that, let's separate that time the idea. Was totally, like, sorry, that time was totally different too. Like uh, my mom was like that, but I don't blame her because that time was very much like that Oprah era where everybody was like literally going on a diet with Oprah. Every time she lost like 50 pounds, like my mom was right there with her eating almonds and drinking water for three weeks or <laughs> four weeks. Exactly. And, that, and that's why a, I think that sort of stuff's really dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but two, you're right. It's like, it's, it's not about blaming anybody who was raised in a culture. So when someone's raging on about diet culture, and they're, they're mad about that. That's that's fair. Absolutely. But we then need to be able to go to people. It's okay to plan, keyword, a phase of time <laughs> where you're going to restrict calories with a plan with the explicit goal of losing body fat and improving metabolic health. And, and those two things always don't go together because if you're dieting someone for a, uh, a competition or a show, then you do potentially reach a level of leanness that isn't metabolically healthy to sustain for a long period of time, right? It's not to say that, hey, you can't do that for a short phase, be smart about it. Where people go wrong is they don't have a plan for maintenance. They don't have a plan or a timeline for stopping. And then once they reach this point where they feel restricted because they feel like this has got to go on forever, they rebel, then they start binging. There's no plan. They're eating for an unrestrained amount of food, high calorie food, 
for a protracted period of time. Yeah. And then we have a recipe for weight regain and a really bad relationship with nutrition. So if we can just go in and go, listen, let's just go, let's have a plan. We're going to make sure that you don't feel too restricted. We're going to have a clear idea of, you know, what your calorie amounts are. And then this is how long we're going to do this. And we're going to communicate regularly. And if it gets too hard too quickly, we can pull it back. But I think there's a lot of people who've been in this chronic state of trying to lose weight, trying to diet. They've got a broken relationship with it. That person probably needs to learn maintenance. They probably need to learn, hey, get my protein up and spend some time away from the goal of dieting. It'll put you in a healthier position that you're ready for an evidence-based plan yeah. or a, a fat loss phase. And you can alternate between, if you have large fat loss goals, alternate between a phase of fat loss maintenance, fat loss maintenance. Uh, and because at the end of the day, let's say you do that and it takes you two years to lose the goal weight. Okay, well, that's all right. The time is going to pass anyway. That's a sure, sure hell of a lot better than uh, crash dieting, yo-yo, um, falling off at binging, coming back around. And then a year to two years later, you've got the same amount of weight or even more on, presuming that you want to lose the weight and you don't feel good. You know, you don't feel like you have good metabolic health. There's there's a lot of people out there, again, ideologically are yelling, you know, oh, this stuff's healthy, blah, blah, blah. People should lose weight. Ah, you know what? I, I like to respect each individual person's wishes. And I don't like the idea of telling these people you're wrong. There's something wrong with you because you don't feel happy, confident, or healthy or good energy at this weight. I would rather facilitate an evidence-based way of yeah. changing their relationship with this and their, their metabolic health and their weight while also getting them to be kind and empathetic and, and like understanding, hey, listen, you're, you're, you're just as deserving of goodness and love and happiness, no matter your body size, no matter your weight. But I also respect the fact that you want to change. Let's help facilitate change in a sustainable way. Love that. The both can can definitely coexist together. Doesn't have to be one or the other. I love how you said learn maintenance because this is where I feel like a lot of people just don't, right? And that that's that's where the yo-yo dieting comes in or maybe they're measuring their food during their, you know, diet phase and then they just go back to eating whatever the hell they want after. Where I really firmly believe that you should be measuring for a little bit with your maintenance phase too, to know how much protein, how many carbs, but how, how much fat you should be eating to maintain or even sometimes build muscle. Um, I don't think the scale is such a negative thing. I always tell my kids, and I don't measure all the time because I, now I know, like now I, you know, measure now you, now you can eyeball things because you have done that process. But I always tell my kids I measure so I know how much protein I need to grow my muscles. It's not, it's not a negative thing. And, and that's where I feel like a lot of, um, coaches fall short is they don't, uh, educate their client enough on how it is important to still stay on with them for maintenance. I don't even like using the word maintenance because I feel like you can always improve. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah. I mean, but even during quote, you know, nutritional maintenance, like weight maintenance, what are we doing? We're training for strength. Totally. We're still yeah, trying yeah. to get still stronger. Right? So mm -hmm. we, we've just redirected the focus of the improvement. And this is another core tenant to how I approach coaching anybody I work with is if the goal is fat loss, amazing. Cool. But I actually think we're going to be far more successful long term if the person who seeks fat loss 
becomes more interested in pursuing strength. If we are involved in regular strength training, several really cool things happen. One is we generally, assuming we have enough nutrition to facilitate, we'll build muscle, right? And a lot of people are under-muscled, so some stimulus is probably going to help them build muscle. So the act of training is going to mean you're burning calories while working out, right? Two, you're burning calories. Strength training requires recovery. We have elevated your metabolic rate after the training for a couple of days. This is not a small effect. So if you're consistently training, you are effectively adding a buffer to your metabolic rate, which allows you to either eat more calories or makes it easier to lose a little bit of weight. Mm -hmm. And three, trainers overstate this effect, but more muscle does equal a higher metabolic rate, right? Carrying muscle, building muscle, especially above your, like your um, set point effectively uh, that you want to walk around at is meta is energy inefficient takes more energy so you actually have to do a lot to maintain that amount of muscle it's it's hard work so it requires more energy and that combination alone well a you have to eat more calories just to maintain it and to support your training to actually like fuel your training and if we can change the attitude about someone who constantly wants to diet i actually think most people who've successfully lost weight and changed their physiques have had a mindset shift from always wanting to diet, always wanting to be thin to wanting to be, to be strong. Right. And yes, there's the pervasive myth that, oh my God, if I lift weights, I'm going to look, quote, look like a man. I'm going to look bulky, all this sort of stuff. Well, there's two thoughts. One is there are a lot of women who like love it and embrace, Hey, I want to look as jacked as possible. I want to look bulky, bring it on. Like, I wish it was easy. Cool. But two, how many women do you work with who may have come in with that belief? They've lifted weights. They have absolutely Almost everybody. Perfect. Yeah. And how many of them, quote, looked like an 80s era female bodybuilder on very large amounts of, you know, steroids? steroids. Not- and that's the thing, like people have to, well, you know, people coming into coaching, they might not just, they just might not have the knowledge of the industry, right? And so when they see somebody that looks like that, they just think, oh my gosh, that's just from weightlifting. No, it's from a ton of food, weightlifting and other stuff. <laughs> A lot of other stuff um, in quotes, but yeah, it's really hard for a woman to put on muscle. It's so hard. Like I, I have to eat so much just to maintain the muscle I have. Um, I, I don't think um, a lot of women realize that when they're coming to work with us and then they start, wow, yes, it, it, it takes a lot of effort to put on even one pound of muscle. Right? That's true. That's true of guys too, right? Like I, I like doing this too. For any woman listening who still like has internalized a bit of this belief, I want you to, that next time you step into a gym, if you go to a public gym, yes, there are going to be a few like bodybuilder looking dudes walking around and you'll tend to notice those guys, right? And there might be one girl in there who's a bit more jacked than everybody else. But look at all of the people. You're like, oh, I see those people. I've seen them there for years. And they're going through their routine and in clothes, you wouldn't necessarily even assume that, oh, that person like hits the gym pretty hard, right? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have a clue. And they're there trying, they're working their butts off. And then, and guys too, who do not look jacked, do not have a lot of muscle on there. This doesn't happen easily and overnight. Now I will say this, I respect the women because anytime I make a post about this, there are always a few women who say like, Hey, you know, if, if I lift, you know, my traps get a little big, you know, I, I do build muscle easily. Yes, there are def- definitely different genetics across genetics, that. Yeah. And I respect the woman who says, 
you know, hey, I get muscular a little bit easier. They've got good genes for it because they do all these other things right. There's a lot of women, first of all, would love that. They would. But I also respect the fact that, okay, some find it a bit easier. So then we have to say, all right, like just maybe don't train those body parts very much. Like, like let's take the volume down there. Let's redirect that elsewhere. So I respect that too, because here's a really cool feature. Physiologically, women actually build muscle as well as men. People are going to be really surprised at that fact. They do. But women on average are smaller. They have smaller baselines. They have narrower shoulders. They have smaller upper bodies. Women build muscle on their legs like holy crazy. But you you build muscle equally effectively to men relative to your starting point, relative to your baseline. So on average, women will not, the average woman will not be able to achieve the, the muscularity of the average man. And especially at the 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 peak heights, there there's no woman alive who's ever looked like a like a, a male like Olympia male bodybuilder. Just not yeah. not happening, right? I feel like that's where the programming comes into because mm. I've I've had women, um, you know, as I evolved within the fitness space, more fit women were coming to see me, especially them after them competing and and maybe not knowing how to reverse diet properly, gaining a bunch of weight, and then also too. Um, if they didn't have uh, the proper program in place, what I notice with their body comp- composition is is sometimes, depending on again their their genetics and and their and their body composition, they'd put on a lot of muscle in their shoulders and and their legs would be small. Like that, that's why I feel like it's really important to have a coach that's guiding you through the different phases and coming up with the workouts specifically for you and your body type. Okay, ladies, I got something super exciting to share with you. I have created the most incredible fitness free gift for you. I want you to put yourself on top of the world and make your 40s your strongest decade yet. When you say maybe to the Strong Fitness membership, you will get over 2,000 worth of fitness gifts, an exclusive hooded tank entirely for free and a 30-day trial run of our Strong Fitness membership, which will include live and pre-recorded masterclasses with me every single week, no gym-required workouts designed by myself and delivered in the app, digital access to Strong Fitness magazine library. You also get digital access to Strong Training Guides. You're going to get monthly recipes, straightforward, tasty meals, eating plans, nutrition guides, and grocery lists to optimize your nutrition and fuel your body with the right foods. I created this gift because we are celebrating 10 years at Strong, 10 years at Team Strong Girls, and also my 41st birthday. And I truly believe you can thrive and get better with age and slow down the aging process, look young forever, and I share all the secrets with you. So if you want to get in on this membership, all you got to do is go to strongfitnessmag.com forward slash incredible. So that's strongfitnessmag.com forward slash incredible and claim your free gift and test driver membership. I cannot wait to see you on the inside. How do you structure workouts? I know this is like a very general question, but yeah, maybe maybe somebody who's a woman who has experience in the gym and wants to one build a little bit more uh, lean muscle, but not go through that whole bulking phase. Mm-hmm. 
still maintain a lean a lean physique there's a lot of considerations here. It, it, first of all, it's it's totally individual, the person in front of you. And it, it starts with a lot of questions so you understand what their goals are, right? Yeah, they may yeah. say, you know, hey, these are the things I want, but then their emotional behavior may be very resistant to eating enough food to put on muscle, right? So maybe we have to start with a relationship with nutrition, but it still all starts with whatever's going on with the nutrition. Nutrition tends to guide whether we gain or lose weight, whether muscle or body fat. Nutrition is the ultimate thing there. I try to focus people on getting strong. So if we have, let's say you have a woman who is concerned about putting on upper body muscle. Okay. We're probably not going to do very high volumes of some of like a lot of upper body training, but I'm going to be strategic. For example, I still find that women are excited about being able to do a chin up or a pull up, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll focus on that. And that, especially if they're not able to do it, that tends to be a bit more of a neurological strength thing than a pure, Hey, let's put on a lot of muscle thing. Um, I still like the idea of getting to understand that if you have strong shoulders and you put a little bit of muscle on your shoulders and a little bit of back muscle, A, you're going to be stronger for life, but two, it tends to create a little bit more of that, you know, tapered look that allows your waist to look just a little bit smaller as well. And then that on the other side- Hourglass look, ladies. Hourglass look. Yeah. Right. So it's okay to have a bit of shoulder muscle, a bit yeah. of back muscle. Yeah. Um, maybe we don't go crazy with arm training if that's what we don't want. But then it's like, okay, most women, with exceptions, they want bigger glutes, they want strong legs. So guess what? We can really ramp up the lower body training volume. And then what tends to happen is, all right, then they just realize, okay, it's okay to eat more protein. I need to fuel this, but they're hungrier for for food. And I find when we redirect the focus on to strength. Some of the the nutritional stuff tends to take care of itself, yeah. or at least it opens the doorway to conversations because now all of a sudden they're they're enjoying this, and they're like, "Well, now I want to like eat to support these goals because yeah. I feel better." They're seeing so, themselves too, right in the mirror, and they're seeing that a little bit tighter, that a little bit more muscle in certain areas look clothes, looks good. Clothes fit differently. Yeah, feels nice. Yeah. Your mental energy feels good. Um, just like you're thinking clearer. All of these really cool things start happening. Confidence. Mm -hmm. And you, you get hooked on it. You want more. So that tends to be the approach I take to things. But again, but again it, it, it's still, it's an individual conversation with each person in front of you. I find there, there are certainly a traditional, traditional coaches within the bodybuilding space. And I mean, I understand this thing tend to fit all clients to their approach They're, You know, we hear about the cookie cutter meal plans. We hear about the cookie cutter programming, but I, I think more and more coaches now are getting around to understanding the individual person's needs. You can have templates. You can have, you know, I have lots of clients who are on the same template of program because yeah. their goals are similar. A lot of the, what they want is similar, but there are still individual tweaks relative to their specific goals. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same, same here. And I mean, I, I don't even think cookie cutter, like if somebody is going from nothing to something, that's actually okay to start with, you know? Yeah. Like just start with your habits, habits first and, and we level have, up from there. Um, I have a, 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 an online group program with my partner in the, in the business Bailey Lau. It's one of the things I do and everybody does the same program, but yeah. again, it's, here's what it is. The people who want to do this self-select to it. Yeah. We built in substitutions and and alternatives so that and and a forum where if someone has specific things we need to adjust, we'll tinker for them. 
but they do great on this group program. So technically speaking, it is everybody's doing the same program. So someone might call that cookie cutter, but it's like, hey, this is a group program. There's no entry level. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then sometimes they turn around like, okay, I need something that's a bit more specific to me. I have this particular goal. Cool. Maybe they graduate to working one-on-one or they go off and, and they see an in-person coach wherever they are. And I love that. But if it gives people the skills to learn yes. how to work out and, and pushes them further on that path long-term, I'm great with it because it's also a system that allows us to get, we love the program. We think it's really good. It allows us to get more people access to it at um, you know, very high value, but lower cost, because we also know, well, it, the economy is a little tricky right now, right? Like the cost of, especially we're Canadians, inflation's kind of high here, cost of groceries and, and mortgages and rent and stuff is going up in most places. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, they treat their fitness investments as a luxury. Other people, it's essential, but they may, you know, I, I still want to make sure that I have some sort of value offering out there in addition to trading with me one-on-one, which gets pretty pricey. Mm-hmm. What do you say when people, um, you know, your clients might say that they're bored with their workouts? Well, I'm sure we've all heard this as online coaches. <laughs> sure. I've got a visitor. My cat Ozzy Aww. just came over. Oh, he's so cute. Um, he's a big boy. Well, I mean, that's it. It's asking questions and listening to them. And, you know, it's understanding what's really going on. And a lot of the time as coaches, we're giving people what they need wrapped up in what they want. And if someone is a little bored and they want, they want to do some curls or they want to do some, you know, some isolation stuff for, for show muscles, or they prefer this exercise B where my program has exercise A, well, guess what? Let's give them what they want. It doesn't make much of a difference as far as I'm concerned. If the person hates lunges, but they're willing to do, you know, leg press, there are people out there like, oh, no, they're not in change. But listen, there's tension on muscles. Is it exactly the same? No, it's not. We now, like, There's lots of cool research that says that machines are just as effective as free weights now, right? And that was counterintuitive to what the stuff you and I came up through believing. We thought, oh, machines, they're, 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 they're inferior to free weights. Yeah, That's simply not true. I mean, relative to the same type of stimulus, right, and volume and all this stuff. So I'm great with keeping someone on the theme of a really solid program that's serving what they need while dressing it up with some of the stuff they want. There comes a point, like if I've got a client in front of me who wants, you know, burpee circuit training, I'm not the right coach for them. And I will comfortably refer them to someone that I think will actually do that stuff as part of their normal approach. Like I like the fundamentals of strength and conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. But if I've got a client who just wants a little bit more variety of something, I know they want to do jumping jacks in between something. Well, I'm going to talk to them why it's not a good idea to do jumping jacks between their sets of heavy squats. Like I need you to rest. Yeah. But if they want to do jumping jacks in between, like you know, a, a super like some some more isolated stuff towards the end of the workout to keep their heart rate up, fine. My general approach to this is. Let's have you pushing a sled. Let's have you doing some kettlebell swings. I want some big metabolic stuff that, you know, moves muscle, but also gets a heart rate up because if that person, I, I don't want to crush clients. I want to build them up and make them stronger. Yeah. But if that person wants to leave my workout, you know, in a sweaty puddle. Okay. I'm going to cater that to a point and I'm going to finish them off with a high intensity uh, you know, approach that I think is, is a really solid thing that still serves their goals. So that's how I try to navigate that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, when I first started as a coach, I was really strict, but, you know, becoming a mom and then working with other moms, I kind of, I, I started to meet people <clears throat> where they're at, you know, like a lot of my 
my women clients come in and they know the that they need a program for strength training. They want to change. They want to recomp their body, but they still love classes. So mm-hmm. I work with them. You can keep one class a week. They love it for the community. They love it for, like you said, leaving, looking drenched. They feel as though they've done something, but meet them where they're at, right? And 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 you can always build their program, build what they like within their program. And if you think about it, like, or if someone needs quote zone two cardio, or you know they have to do a certain amount of low or moderate intensity cardio during a week, I don't care if they get on a bike, walk on a treadmill, they're outside playing with their kids, or or if they're doing a Zumba class, I don't care. I want them doing what they enjoy. If 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 I'm like, no no no, you need to do this on a on a on an air bike, and they hate air bikes. They're not likely to do it. Or if they do it, it it, it totally burns up, you know, willpower and mental Mm -hmm. energy. So I would rather them go do the thing that they actually really enjoy, especially if it's like, if it's a group community thing with other people, social, God, it's a win-win. So I I support that sort of stuff. I mean, if I've got someone who, I've got a client, she's wonderful. She recently had a knee replacement and she loves CrossFit. So... By her own admission, she understands that, like, and I'm not here to crap on CrossFit. CrossFit, you know, I think gets a lot of people moving, but she knows that when she overdoes it on CrossFit, then, you know, stuff starts to hurt or lower back starts to bugger and what have you. So we have just honest, ongoing conversations about just managing the amount. Uh, she has to modify some stuff as she recovers. She's doing great on her recovery. But, you know, again, I, I, I try to keep loose guardrails. Mm-hmm. But- also, I want her to have some ownership over her choices in that situation. And she's good. Like she knows that if she pushes it too much, she doesn't feel great afterwards. But she wants, she likes the community. She likes the the intensity of having to push. And as long as she doesn't tip over an edge to where she's hurting herself, I think it's actually wonderful. And it's a yeah. great way for her to burn more calories. So it fits as long as she's not going past her ability to recover from the total workload across the week, which she's good about. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm actually going to go to a CrossFit gym for the first time. (laughs) We just brought the gym I contract at just brought a group of CrossFit coaches in. So they were just setting up their rig and their space, moving some stuff around. And, you know, I'm looking at this go. They're a nice group of people. It's going to bring more people in the gym. I'm sure some of the members are looking over going, oh, shit. Right. Because it's going to be busier. Yeah. But I'm thinking, hey, this is kind of cool. So and I'm trying to be like you know, support these coaches because these coaches are coming into an environment. They had their own space and now they're coming in here and there's all these other trainers. I'm just like, no, I want everybody to meet each other and, and coexist and be happy. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think, I feel like too, like I'm 41. I feel like it's, it's, I'm at the point in my life where I want to like try new things, you know, like I'm taking tennis and I'll do CrossFit maybe once a week, you know, get those Ollie lifts in, but it's, I'm not going to go like full <laughs> full force i'm not gonna be walking on my hands <laughs> maybe but i'm, I'm the guy who would only lift weights like bodybuilding style would never do cardio it's like oh we don't need that and now i'm trying to do cardio i, I yeah. i've been doing this thing where um i'll sit on a recombinant bike which is not the highest intensity thing but i've got all these books i want to read and i do a lot of audio and so i'll take a book like i'm, I'm holding one of them in my hands my buddy adam bornstein's book you oh can't screw God. this up. Great that nutrition cool. book. Actually, mm-hmm. highly recommend anybody who's like working on their nutrition. This book's great. But Adam's done. Okay. Oh, amazing book. So Adam is a really well-respected figure in the industry, but he he's hidden away for a long time. And, but he's been doing Arnold Schwarzenegger's nutrition 
LeBron James Nutrition, Lindsey Vaughn's Nutrition for a very long time. And great guy. He's actually the editor of Arnold's email newsletter, Arnold's Pump Club. Oh, and cool. so Adam's a very influential figure, just kind of hit out. But he wrote you know, a book that he's really proud of, and I've read it, and I think it's wonderful. And I've been able to read the physical copy because I'll sit down for half an hour on this bike, you know, crank up the the resistance, and you know, I'm stacking a habit where I've really emotionally struggled to get up on a treadmill or a bike because, um, A, if I try to listen to an audiobook or a podcast, I just can't focus. And music just doesn't, like, it's not enough to push me through the time, whereas reading really distracts me. And then I want to read and I want to do cardio and I have limited time. And what, what what used to happen is I wouldn't do either because you feel like you're so constrained on time. So you, you don't do the things. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I bring my book. I've done my workout. I'm actually going to sit down half an hour. I can, I can manage this. And I feel good after I do it because I feel like, and again, we don't have to like, program life to be efficient in every way, shape, or form. That's ludicrous. But it's something that I found works for me. Like when I'm when I'm cooking, when I'm driving, I will listen to audiobooks and podcasts most of the time instead of music. I'll listen to music when I'm studying. I'll listen to music when I'm working out. So there's lots of time for music because I love music. But this is a, a way that I, I can, it's additive for my life and I get more things done that I value and I feel good about. That's awesome. I'm going to try that. Reading and cardio. I would think it would make me dizzy, but maybe I'll give it a shot. I think it works best on bikes because okay. you're you're in a more stationary position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a really close friend. She's a mother of three. Uh, two of her kids are um, on the autistic spectrum. She herself uh, has been recently diagnosed as uh, ASD as well, which wow. is something that she's sorting her way through. But fitness has been a really important stabilizing thing for her. And she'd come to the gym and she would be sitting upright on a spin bike reading a book. And I'm looking at this going, okay, I'm going to try that, right? So that was where the inspiration came from. And yeah, like you're not going to be on a rower or an air bike or like running, jogging, (laughs) yeah, jogging on a treadmill and reading a book. No, motion sickness probably at the very least. But I found that the bike works and it works really well for the lower intensity zone two steady state stuff. If I have the choice now, high intensity stuff, guess what? You ain't reading a book. No, No. not going to work. No. I want to wrap up today with one of your Instagram posts because I feel like it really hit home. We talked a little bit about this on your podcast too. And and it was exposing children to gym environments and let them see you work out, especially moms and daughters. Seeing strength training as a normal thing instead of the gym being an intimidating place. Can you talk about this because i love it so so much this one went viral numerous times i keep sharing it. people plagiarize it all the time <laughs> a lot of dimensions uh one how many people listening found a gym maybe in their mid-20s late 20s 30s 40s 50s uh and stepped into it, it was a really intimidating place and somehow yeah. you overcame that intimidation totally think about the stuff that you were exposed to when you were younger that was pretty normal pretty comfortable if we take that this is going to sound cynical. I really do think as a whole, this generation as an aggregate across our population is lost. We're not reversing the course of, you know, the rates of obesity, metabolic health is a challenge for sure. But we can at least, you know, one family at a time, you know, give kids the next generation this advantage. 
And it's not about indoctrinating them or forcing them to do anything. It's not about having like five-year-olds maxing out lifts, like all these silly things that people say. It's about bringing them into these environments and not all gyms allow it, but ours does. We're finding a space that does. Letting them see this stuff. Let them see that this is a normal part of life. And remember we said earlier about like Oprah and dieting and what I, like an entire generation of women grew up on through no fault yeah. of their moms. Tybo. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? I will say I this. I love Tybo though. <laughs> I will say like things really like, nice. like Jane Fonda and Tybo yeah. and yeah. like aerobics and stuff. Yeah. At least that stuff was movement-based, totally. right? Totally, yeah. yeah. So if we let kids grow up and say, hey, this is really normal. This is a normal part of life. Kids model what parents do. They'll internalize it. And maybe they don't catch onto it and they're not necessarily doing it young, but maybe they find it earlier in life and go, hey, this was something that I grew up around versus this is a scary place that I come in with all of these negative preconceived notions and negative stereotypes because of bullshit on social media, right? So I think that's kind of where I'm coming at this with. Again, like the the support for this post, people love the concept. There's always like trolls on social media, people who are negative about it. Just like I'm, I just tune those people out. I'm not even worried about what they have to say. I I think it's a little idealistic, but I think it's also practical. And every time there's all sorts of people who come out and and show pictures or examples of how they're like the rise of home gyms because of the crap that went on the last you know few years ago. Now all of a sudden you have a lot more parents who are able to work out right in front of their kids. So that's a big possibility too. Yeah. Time efficient for the parent. Um, I've had a bunch of, this post was originally inspired specifically because of one client of mine who would bring her daughter and her daughter was about five through seven years of age, the window she was training. This daughter would come along and read her book and, and she wasn't trying to run around or do all sorts of crazy stuff. She'd play around sometimes, but she would see her mom lifting weights and being strong. And she thought it was cool. So that little girl is going to grow up knowing that that actually is a really normal thing. Mm-hmm. And if it's seen as normal and the, the, especially mothers and daughters part, it's funny. You, every once in a while, someone comes in there and gets like raging about that as if it's somehow like ideological or what have you, or, or I've even like rare person calls it sexist. It's like, no, you idiots. The like men, boys, generally speaking over time have been encouraged with this stuff. Right. Yeah. But women have been told, hey, don't lift weights. You'll get yeah. bulky, right? Yeah. Either directly yeah. or, you know, as, as far as like societally, this is the pervasive sort yeah. of messaging or belief but system. Don't do too much. You look too yeah. Always and, that. And, don't and do I'll, too I'll, much. I'll call this shit too. It's like you get weak and insecure and controlling men who are uncomfortable with the idea of their partners going and becoming strong, getting fit, losing weight for fear that they will leave them, right? And that's, I don't want to say that, oh, that's a stereotype of everybody, but we know it exists in pockets and someone listening is going to go, yeah, like I dealt with that, right? So the emphasis is it's not excluding men or boys or moms or sons or whatever. It's just to say, hey, I think there's a little bit of extra emphasis to encourage women to participate in this stuff and to let young girls actually see this as being normal, right? But it's really for everybody. Yeah. I love it. I have to share something with you because my, it's so funny, you know, um, you know, when you see somebody on TV, who's super strong, like we're watching movies with our sons and Jackson's always like, mom, are you stronger than that person? Like he doesn't ask ask the dad. He says, mom, I'm like, that's awesome. Like I am, I am though. (laughs) How cool is that? Right. 
It's so awesome. I feel like, I feel like actions are caught. They're not taught. And I see that with my kids. They see us work out all the time. They want to come down and join us. They want to try to learn to do a pull up. I feel like it's just really important to give that to your children. And it's why like I try over the course of the legacy of all my media, I try to share friends of mine. Like I'll shout out a few names that I think are great, you know, for anybody listening. My friend, Susan Niebergall. Susan is in her early sixties. Um, she's shredded. I mean, not, not to say that everybody needs to be there, but she can do weighted pull-ups. Okay. I Susan is that. a weapon and she Big got started. Mm-hmm. She got started. I think, I mean, she'd been in fitness for a while, but she got started in a fitness career. I think in her fifties, when she retired from being a teacher, she's Jordan Syatt's partner in his inner circle. They do it together. Or my friend, Angela Gargano. Angela is a four-time competitor on American Ninja Warrior. She actually tore her ACL on the show. And she does tons of stuff at pull-ups and chin-ups or um, a friend of mine out in Western Canada, Vancouver, Megan Calloway. And Megan, uh, I mean, Megan is wild. She can do muscle-ups and she does tons of stuff with body weight and calisthenics. She's really strong. I mean, there's such an endless list of of these great role models who are focused on strength and performance and not, again, like like what we talked about earlier, but it's it's not just a fixation on, on dietary ideology yeah. and and weight loss but i also think like i said earlier it's really okay if your goal is to want to lose weight and 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 sorry let's say lose fat right like because yeah. that's really yeah. what we're doing body recall be yeah, leaner. yeah. Mm-hmm. and and you guys you guys do that i think better than anybody with your approach to with the photo shoots and the way that the images are and they're, they're not altered or any of this sort of rubbish it's it's getting women to embrace that, hey, this is actually really cool. Let's celebrate it with this moment, with the photo shoot, and then teach them the skills and, and, a, and an attitude about, okay, this is probably going to be a temporary peak in time, but we can still maintain this leanness that you feel really good about and do it in a healthy place. Like you guys, I really do think do that better than anybody. And the photo shoot part is a really key aspect of it. And for anybody who like doesn't agree with it, well, guess what? It's not for you. Totally. People self-select to the right thing for them. If it's not for you, then I'm sorry, fuck off. Stop policing what people are doing (laughs) and and go do your thing. Like like people freak out about 75 hard. I've never endorsed it. Uh, I've never done it, but people like the fitness industry has this like thing. Oh, it's stupid. It needs to go away. It's like, no, it's just not for you. I don't care about it. I've had success on it. That's the thing. Like when we see women go through, um, the body transformation and then celebrate with a photo shoot. Like we know how they feel after we're there. We see it. They're crying. They're happy. They have a new look on life. And so, yeah, if you're going to judge that fine, it isn't for you, but I know in my heart and my soul, how many women that we've, we've helped do that. And that after that started careers in fitness, because they now want to help other women feel the same way. Right. So yeah, it's all uh, full circle. And I really love, I really love this chat today. I cannot wait to share it. It's Thank been you. awesome. I can't wait to do more stuff with you. I will promise I'll make myself available for one of your events in the future. Sorry about the last work. one. <laughs> Good. Thank I you. appreciate you having me on. Everybody listening. Thank you. Everybody listening. Guys, girls, uh, mostly girls. <laughs> if you have not yet given Jennifer and this podcast a review. Go do it. Like she's doing this for free. Like all the other stuff they're doing. Just go give it a review. You know what? Share it with a friend of yours who is thinking about this stuff. Okay. Big give 
yet such a small act, so easy to do. Totally. And it helps support this because this is a real honor to come on. Um, if anybody has any questions for me, I respond. Yeah. Where can people messages- find you? I respond to every message. I will always respond uh, at Andrew Coates Fitness on Instagram. That is definitely the, the hub for my media. And you can see the other stuff I do. And we'll include your links in the show notes. Thank Amazing. you. Amazing. Thanks, Andrew. And that's a wrap on another episode. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I just love being able to share these strong stories and thoughts with you. And I hope you were able to take away a piece of inspiration from today. If there's one favor I could ask, please keep sharing, post a screenshot, share a direct link with a friend, or post a review and help spread the word so more people can tune in and find their strong. And if you ever wanted to subscribe to our Strong Fitness Magazine and get the physical copy mailed to your doorstep for more inspiration and motivation, I will include the link in the show notes and please feel free to use my Strong Girl 3 discount code to save. Guys, I cannot wait for the next show. I'm Jennifer Van Barnabelle Pay. Take care and stay strong.